1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: Note: Ian McNulty, of course, all ready for St. Patrick's Day. The celebration, shillelagh in hand. How are you, Ian?
1: I'm doing great. I love to hear the lilt in your voice shift just a little bit as uh, as we shift gears into this segment, Tommy. I really do. So, yeah.
0: A lot of people don't realize when you do an Irish accent, don't pronounce th. They don't. You, you don't say the. It's ta. Am I right?
1: I'll, I'll I'll take a whiskey, please. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, sure. It's well, Thunder, yes, thunder and
0: Lightning. It's Thunder and Lightning. It's not Thunder and Lightning. It's Thunder it's Thunder and Lightning, the Thunder. Um How you been, big man? Where you been eating? What you been doing? I just saw you on TV, so apparently you'll go on with anybody for anything at any time,
1: huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, my dance card's open, Tommy. So yeah, okay. I kinda
0: thought we had something special going on here here, Ian, but I guess not. I guess you're just a common street. Guest, aren't you?
1: Uh, if we're talking about street food, sure. You'll um, just I, be
0: a guest for anybody. You'll just open your expertise for the first show that comes along, won't you?
1: <laughs> so anyway, what I did was um, I hauled down the carnival flag, which, uh, which is always sure. sad. Absolutely. And I busted out uh, the uh, the Irish tricolor, uh-huh. uh, which is great. You know, it's like sort of the, the shifting of the tides in New Orleans. So I've got my Irish flag flying from my house. The pollen is in the trees. Oh, is the it? The Dust is being kicked up by the road construction, and it's just—it's feeling—it's—it's it's, it's feeling like a like a like we're on the cusp of a great New Orleans season. I, I love yes. the
0: Irish Channel celebration because it's the world's largest outdoor nightclub. Because people go there to pick each other up. I hate to say it, but they do. At least they used to, oh, yeah. unless anything's changed.
1: Yeah, it's a big party, that's yeah, for sure. Uh, yep, yeah, and that one is. Uh, that 's really that 's really become uh, a creation between those two bars down there, Tracy's and Parasols, which have an interesting interrelated history mm-hmm. uh, and uh now basically if you go down there it's you can 't tell the difference i mean one crowd just flows into the other it just depends which bar you 're buying your uh your, your drinks, your green beer, or your sandwiches from, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun and it, it, it's just, it's, it's the season, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself that it's you know still 37 degrees bit, and, and when they're celebrating St. Patrick's day in Boston and New York and down here really, we've got that, just that rush of spring, you know, the pollen is in the air. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I mean, people people are excited to be out and doing stuff.
0: I think I I may have told you this. We were doing a story, uh, not a story, a show from there one time years and years ago, and I asked the girl, hey, what do you got there on your cheek? Expecting her (laughs) to say shamrock, and instead she said, clover. I got a clover. (laughs) So in New Orleans, you don't have shamrocks on your cheeks. You have clovers.
1: Well, we've covered uh, the Irish accent and the Yat accent. Yes. We're just, we're, yeah, we're rolling today. But, so, uh, yeah, let's talk food. huh? Where have
0: you been eating? What have you been doing? I see a picture of Donna Mia, Noma Mia's uh, and I saw somebody being interviewed for something, and I'll be damned if they weren't standing in front of this place, but it had nothing to do with food. Tell me about that restaurant. Oh,
1: really? Okay, yeah. well, this was, yeah, Nona Mia was this long-running uh, pizzeria on Esplanade Avenue up near City Park in the Faubourg-St. John area right by the fairgrounds. And it um, it closed last year, along with you know many many restaurants closed last year, and this was one of them. And this one in particular, though, I just heard so many questions about it. It was being really closely eyed by people. Who live in that neighborhood or kind of relate to that neighborhood because there's a lot of great restaurants right around there and you know people were just really curious what was going to come in there next and it's a distinctive building if you go to nola.com right now you can see the story and the, and the photo of it that we're talking about um but it, it it's this you know victorian looking intricate colorful place it's a house and when you walk in um you know it's still set up like a house mainly with with these small rooms and parlors and there's a wraparound porch and there's a big patio so there's a lot of potential there um so i spoke with uh one of the two partners who did get the property and, and are developing a new restaurant here it's going to be called the post as in uh you know the hitching post or maybe you know, post your bets at the fairgrounds uh basically you know a nod to a nod to the to the racing culture nearby in that neighborhood and uh, their plan is uh, sometime in the next month or so to open, and it's going to be a modern American restaurant um, serving you know nah, mid-range sort of food, but dishes that they they took a look around the neighborhood and they said okay we've got Cafe Degas next door, it's a great French restaurant. We've got uh, Lola's, a Spanish restaurant. Santa Fe is up there. Uh, we've got a Thousand Figs, that middle uh, Mediterranean place. Uh, got uses by the track right there with their amazing gumbo and po'boys so we're not going to try to do any of those things so uh they roll it in with a menu that's uh it, it kind of hits that like anytime niche um the, the dishes they talked about you know a really good burger a ribeye some fish dishes some salads kind of place you can go kind of anytime with the family so anyway that's what's happening on esplanade avenue and uh i just posted that this morning and that story is proven quite popular so it just it just shows you these certain properties that, that you know that have long histories as restaurants that just are always going to draw some compulsive interest uh, I, I remember walking into that restaurant m- many times in, in earlier chapters of my life uh, when it was a sushi restaurant you know taking going out on a date there to go get some sushi in the neighborhood uh, you know later on it was you yeah, known to Mia, uh, getting a slice of pizza there after jazz fest and you've been out in the sun All day, and like you've been eating food at Jet Fest all day, but somehow that slice of pizza just proves to be this inextricable draw as you're wandering the, uh, the neighborhood after the fest, So yeah, a lot, a lot of history tied up in that place. And I'm, I'm excited for the next chapter there. I think the post is, is going to be well received.
0: I need to bring the uh, audience into this at 504-260-1870. If you have any questions about eating or drinking in New Orleans, as we approach the weekend, daylight saving time coming in, not that that affects your appetite any, although you might be able to squeeze an extra meal in there. If you, if you work hard enough.
1: Oh, I think it does. I think daylight savings has has a big change in our dining scene because uh, it just it's it's more of that outdoor uh, appeal. Uh, let, let's face it. I mean, it, when it's a beautiful spring day and the, you know the, the sunset doesn't come until seven, and then it's creeping toward eight. I mean, that's. Um, yeah, what do you want to do? I mean, you want to be outside. You want to be with your friends. You want to have a drink, have a glass of wine, a cheese plate. I mean, it's 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 a it's a draw. It's it's seductive, and uh, yeah, I I, I think those, I think all those the patios that were developed and the outdoor seating that were developed through necessity during the pandemic, uh, you know, this is when they really come into bloom.
0: I love this first paragraph from the story you wrote. Eating boiled crabs can be a devotional act. You must be committed to the effort and the mess which can make denuding crawfish or shrimp of their shells feel like a snap. There is some work involved in eating crabs, especially when you're concerned with what's on the outside of them as well as the inside, right? That's what you're talking about here?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So this is uh, this is uh, the, the opening graph, thank you for that, uh, from a story about TD. Seafood and Pho House, and this is a restaurant in Harvey from my West Bank friends, and this is a restaurant that anybody should cross the bridge for um, because they're doing this different, this real different take on local seafood uh, done through a Vietnamese kitchen. So this is a a vietnamese one restaurant, family restaurant, where, you know, it's first-generation Vietnamese family uh, that make really good pho. It's right there in the name of the restaurant. Um, they actually make a lobster pho, which I'd never had before. Mm-hmm. So there's like a lobster tail in the soup. Um, real interesting. Uh, but the real specialty comes with boiled seafood that uh, they'll do straight up. You can get boiled crabs, boiled crawfish, boiled shrimp. Um, but then they do various treatments of it. I, I think a lot of people are familiar with the Viet Cajun style of, well, mo- mainly crawfish. But this is when you know they boil the crawfish and then they – add this um garlic butter sauce over it they toss it with garlic butter sauce it's delicious and it's messy and it's more expensive it's heavier it's richer uh, and that you can find that in a lot of places but the what, what really drew my attention and why i led that story with crabs is what they do with the boiled crabs so uh they call them salt and pepper crabs and they boil them just like you would for any backyard louisiana boil these are blue crabs that they get from west we go right up the street. and uh then they coat them with a bit of batter, seasoned batter, put them in the deep fryer. So now these are boiled crabs that have been fried. They've been broken up into, into clusters and quarters. And then they take them out of the fryer and they're not right done with them. And they toss them in the wok with oil and butter and onions and chili peppers. And they just, you know, they walk them around the wok and it gets that flavor from the wok that y'all, you know you know that flavor, It's that, mm-hmm. that Chinese restaurant flavor. Uh, and they put them on a platter, and what comes out is this this tangle of claws and legs and bits of the back uh, back shell, and it's it's not encased with batter. It's not like you you've got this you know big fried blob. It's just like kind of laced, traced with bits of this flavorful batter that have been fried and then walked through the walk, and uh, you add sauces at the table like this earthy spicy uh, satay it's this roasted chili emulsion that you dribble on them oh tommy it's so good and it's so messy but it, it is it is louisiana crabs done vietnamese style and it is just this engrossing dish and it is it's very flavorful it's very fun uh and it's it's a, it's a commitment dish but that also gives you that um that one of the pleasures of of having boiled seafood is the pace of it. It it, it gives you that little bit of a slowdown, take some time, let's catch up with your friends around the table. And crabs are the ultimate for that because they're the hardest things to get (laughs) in the shell naturally. But then the reward is you get that sweet crab meat with all these sauces, with all the flavors from the wok and the fryer. And again, like I said, a little time with your friends. And when I went to the restaurant, Before I did the story, when I was just researching it, checking it out, Uh, that's exactly what I did. I had a much-needed check-in with a friend I hadn't seen in a while. We covered a lot of bases, (laughs) conversation about ourselves and our lives and food and career and everything else while putting away these crabs. And then, you know, I went back with a photographer, and we did the story on it. So that's on NOLA.com right now. You can check out the great photos there staff photographer Chris Granger took and uh, anyway I'd encourage you to check it out it's a really it's one of those really interesting takes on local seafood done a different way that I've been exploring looks
0: al- it looks delicious we'll take a break questions are coming in 504-260-1870 if you have any questions on eating or drinking in New Orleans I'm already getting questions about best oyster po' boy in town somebody's looking for somewhere to eat uh, near the World War II Museum. Somebody else has the Academy Awards on their mind. They're thinking of some great takeout food from a good restaurant by which or with which they can watch the Academy Awards. So 504 260 Ian McNulty covers food and dining. For the times speaking you New Orleans advocate, he joins us every Friday to help you navigate your way through the eating and drinking scene and get the best bang for your buck, best time for your money, and the best taste in food. Back in a flash, Tommy Tucker, WWL. 926, quickly back to Ian McNulty, who covers eating and drinking for the Times-Picayune, NOLA.com. Uh, best oyster po' boy in town? Ian, somebody wants to know.
1: Oh, I got a couple options for you. I just love the one at Bevy Seafood. That's in Mid-City, near City Park. Fantastic. Um... Krabby Jack's on Jefferson Highway. When they say overstuffed, they mean it. I mean, the, the suckers are falling out of there. I got a soft spot in my heart for Damalisi's Uptown, mm-hmm. just because it's Dom with the ketchup and the hot sauce, which is a little unusual, but it's so delicious. And uh, don't forget about the oyster loaf at Casamento's. It's a little different. It's not exactly a po' boy. It's, you know, it's done on that Texas toast, that loaf style, but, uh, man, the way they cook the oysters there and those iron skillets in back that you can see if you cut through the restrooms behind the kitchen, delicious. <laughs>
0: I uh, mentioned this before, that it's no longer open, but Visco's used to do an oyster loaf where they would hollow out the French bread and then stuff it with the fried oysters and some ketchup. And, man, was that good. I I like oyster sandwich. Yeah, oyster po' boy with just butter and ketchup. But you like it fully dressed or not?
1: Uh, Yeah, I like it fully dressed. I want the tomatoes and the lettuce and the mayonnaise to play along with there, and I want some hot sauce for sure.
0: What a rube. Uh, This text... (laughs) comes in and says they're going to the world war ii museum on sunday yeah. what's a good place to eat lunch in the area
1: oh so many good places um let's say the nearby this pesh seafood grill a little upscale uh seafood carmo is like right up the block a little different a little more casual a little more international kind of like latin american tropical feel to it, a little lighter too which is nice um and don't forget about the other side of uh of the highway there if you're if you're You know, you're you're kind of get locked into thinking just about the warehouse district. The Royal Tree Museum is really close to the Lower Garden District. Um, There's a fun brewery right nearby called Courtyard Brewery. Easy to miss, but it's it's a really cool spot. It's next to an antique store. So if you're with somebody who wants to go check out, you know, vintage furniture while you suck down another pint, it's really helpful. And they usually have a pop-up there that does really good food, just always different, always good. Um, so those are some top-of-the-mind lunch places that are just a couple blocks off.
0: Somebody wants to know about a good place in the Riverbend area.
1: Oh, well, for anything, um, there's, uh, there's there's lots of good places in there. I mean, you say Riverbend, I think Brightson's. We talk about Frank Brightson's restaurant all the mm-hmm. time on this show, as we should. The place is classic. The man's a legend. food is amazing. Um, you want to go a little more casual, go up the street to uh, – uh, Bouree, which is on Carrollton Avenue, uh, next to Lebanon, which is a good Middle Eastern place too, just great value there. But boure is uh, more of a, it's like a walk-up uh, beer garden style kind of place where uh, Chef Nathaniel Zimet, um, who also runs the restaurant Boucherie right around the corner, this is a casual place. It's more like a. Yeah, I guess it's kind of almost like a creative bar food, a fantastic fried chicken sandwich. I mean, that's a broad spectrum right there, right in the River Bend. But, you know, in the River Bend, you're really close to Oak Street, which has got Seafood Sally's, a place we just talked about, 14 parishes, really good Jamaican restaurant, uh, and the outstanding uh, sushi bar, uh, Suki Ban, which is uh, specializing in the hand rolls and just a fantastic new addition.
0: I love going to restaurants that make you feel as though you're out of the country. And I say that because somebody texted me and they want your take on Addis Nola.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Well, Addis Nola, yeah, out of the country. Yeah, you're, you're, you're transported to Ethiopia. It's, uh, it's a great place. It's, they just relocated in the last few months to Bayou Road, that little Bayou Road business district there. And uh, you walk in and it, you, you are in Africa. It, it's the decor, the music, the swirl, the hospitality. The cocktails uh, even work in some of these Ethiopian flavors, and um, the ideal way to eat there is to go with a couple people and share dishes, and you're eating all of these things off these big round platters, and it's a lot of, a um, lot, of, lot of they love their beef there, but there's a lot of vegetarian and vegan dishes. The seafood's been really good. They've been doing a great um, Gulf shrimp kind of crossover dish with this uh, honey sauce and this Ethiopian spice. Uh, so earthy and layered. And uh, again, you, 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 feel like, you feel like you've been transported and you feel like you're in good hands because of the hospitality there. So if you're, you're new to Ethiopian food, they will definitely show you the ropes and you'll, feel, you'll, you'll get the hang of it real fast and you'll probably want to go back. It's a fantastic place.
0: Somebody said, and as it is St. Patrick's Day coming up, best shepherd's pie in town.
1: Shepherd's pie is one of those things that comes around uh, first St. Patrick's Day to feed the masses. It's, it's not something that I see on, on menus on a regular basis. It's more like a I love it, though. Do you like shepherd's pie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Come on. I'm, 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 there you go. All right. exactly. You know, it's right, exactly. uh, you know, t- a child of working-class Irish family. I mean, we, we, uh, we definitely had a lot of shepherd's pie growing up. Um, I can tell you that Shepherd's Pie will be on the special St. Patrick's Day menu that I've spied at uh, Finn McCool's, which has a great new kitchen that we can talk about at another show, maybe closer to St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, they've they got a great new pub kitchen in there, and I know they're they're trimming down their menu for St. Patrick's Day because, of course, it's a feed the masses kind of a day, and they're going to do a Shepherd's Pie, so i got my eye on that one.
0: And somebody else wanted to know about a good takeout restaurant where the food's not going to lose a lot in um, they said um, styrofoam translation, which, you know, <laughs> what they mean by that, because it, it, it's not the same as when you get it and eat it there. But what are some restaurants sure. if you want to get something, take home, watch the Academy Awards?
1: Yeah, for the Academy Awards, I'm thinking you want something that's going to last for a little while because that's a long show, mm-hmm. too. So I, I, I just thought Middle Eastern, you know, I thought, like, get a, get a bunch of dips and spreads and some of those grilled meat kebabs, you know. Um, if you're in like the Metairie, Jefferson Parish area, Kebab House on Vets is a fantastic place for that style of food and takeout. They do real good with takeout. If you want to go more upscale, but in the same vein, Saba, Alon Shia, Shia's restaurant, uptown on Magazine Street, uh, does a lot of the same flavors through the modern Israeli lens that he works. And they uh, have kept up a really good takeout operation through uh, from the pandemic days. And then I'm just like a meat and cheese platter kind of guy for, for something like that. If you're settling in on the sofa and watching the, all the, the celebrities d- do their thing. Um, yeah, St. James Cheese, you know, you, they'll put together a platter for you, or you can go pick out your own stuff and make up your own at home. Uh, right, the this, Independent this a just, place down on the, yeah. This right. just
0: popped up I mean, I need a 10-second yeah. answer. The place yeah. you announced on Terry Parkway, I think it is, that had the Middle Eastern desserts for Christmas, somebody's looking for?
1: Oh, Royal Roastery, yeah. the okay. Royal Roastery, yep, Terry Parkway. It's an it's not a restaurant, it's a store. It's an emporium for all these Middle Eastern flavors and fantastic desserts and coffees and roasted nuts. And yes, Th- I'm to return there.
0: Ian, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next Friday. Tom Trung's coming up next. We'll talk about his latest podcast on WWL.